All right, good morning. Are you excited? Okay. So the first session is Brian. Second session is me. Third session is Jonathan. And then we save the best for last with Mr. David. That's what we do. I remember when I used to go to young people's studies or whatever, and I was like the young person. Now I just realize I'm the second oldest. Guess who the oldest one is? Oh, we won't guess that. All right, everyone have two pieces of paper and something to write with? Okay, so um, we'll probably do it as, as Brian talked about, and Brian did such a good job. That was a really, really cool introduction to what we're trying to do over the course of you know, the, the morning and early afternoon. The idea that there is a struggle to being a Christian, and we acknowledge that. So we didn't even talk about that because that's just understood. There is a struggle associated with being a follower of God. And that's okay that we acknowledge that. And it's okay that we admit that. I think it would be a real disservice to ourselves if we were to say, yeah, it's just easy all the time. It's no big deal. Um, It is sometimes challenging to be um, a follower of God. So what I want you to do is take your paper. So you have two pieces of paper. Turn them into four. I'm not sure we'll use all four, so tear them in half. You can fold them and do them neatly if you, or you can do it like Keith. Good job, Keith. Um, So that we have four pieces. I want you to, on one piece of paper, write the word core, C-O-R-E, and then on another piece of paper, actually, no, on the same piece of paper. So on the same piece of paper, write core and regimen but kind of space them apart. Whether you space them apart left or right or up or down doesn't matter. But I want you to take just a moment, 60 seconds, and in a phrase or a sentence, what does core mean and what does regimen mean? So on your piece of paper, take core, a couple words, what that means, doesn't have to be a complete sentence, and then the word regimen, and what that means. And I'll give you, I'll count the 60 in my head. So about 30 seconds. And while you're finishing up, isn't that one of the coolest PowerPoints you've ever seen? I came across that and stole it off of, well, I didn't steal it. It was free. But it moves. I love that. I get excited about little things. Okay, take your, your so you're, you should have a fourth of a piece of paper, or it can be your own paper, it doesn't matter, and just wad it up in a ball like you're going to throw it away. 
<laughs> so this is an exercise that you can do if you're ever teaching. And you, good job. And in a, in a classroom setting, yeah, I've had people like throw them at each other and then we just pick them up off the floor. But we'll have some sort of dignified sense of doing things. Mr. Slaughter, are you, are you folding yours? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay, so does someone want to volunteer what you think core means in your own words? Because we're going to look at most of these. We didn't look at all of them. But we're going to look at some of them. I'm just going to pick a random one. I'll, let's, let's, start with, let's start with this. Rather than you starting with one, let's see who came up with this. And if I get... Mr. Bobo's, apparently, or Mr. Gillespie's, that could be a problem. Okay, so this person says that core is essential or fundamental. I like that. Essential or fundamental. Okay, we'll pick three. This person says that core is the middle. Oh, okay, middle, okay. Middle, I like that. Very good. And a third person says that a core, so we have core being essential, middle, or foundational. Very similar. Okay? So I went through um, and looked at some definitions and dictionaries and stuff like that. And so I want us to start with some definitions and explanations um, this, this morning. And came up with the core by definition, is the center. So whoever said center gets extra points today. Or foundation of someone or something. I thought that was kind of interesting, the idea of it being the foundation. And I think someone said, yes, foundational. So you guys are right on target with picking out the things to identify the core. So it could be the center of the apple. We call it the core. Uh, When we think about a person, a person's core is their foundation, it's the center of who they are. Okay, so let's look. Pretty good, isn't it? So we're on a roll. Foundation, I'm sorry, found a regimen. Exercise. That's good. There are no wrong answers unless it's Caleb's. Then it's a wrong answer. Regimen. Routine. Means of support. Wow, that's really good. Not that they're all not good. That's good. Routine. Means of support. And let's do a third one here. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, the suspense is killing, isn't it? Uh, rigorous routine. Ah, oh, okay, very good. All right, so let's look and see what I found out, uh, again, looking at a dictionary, that regimen is a prescribed course. We talked about that in the idea of a routine or a way of life. So a center way of life or a foundational prescribed course, if you're trying to combine the two, is what core regimen is all about. So we're talking about that today. Um, How do we use the term core regimen? In what context besides spiritual, which is what we're doing for the next, you know, 40 minutes or so? Um, When someone says core regimen, what are they talking about? 
Fitness, yeah, absolutely. So I put up there, consider the way one works out. That's probably the first thing that came to mind for me is that when a person works out a certain way, you run a certain amount, you lift a certain amount, you can tell that I lift a lot and I do it frequently. Um, take that off the camera, by the way. No, I'm kidding. No, leave it on there. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's, it's the way of fitness, exercise. Uh, sometimes the way one eats, similar to that, you know, if you, if you work out a lot or if you're trying, like Brian talked about, did a good job talking about losing weight and trying to get to that dip, you know, because, and we as men, I don't know if you know this or not, but men and women are a little bit different. Okay, we'll make sure we get that out of the way. Speaking of the differences between men and women, men and women, so we had like a series of pre-meetings, uh, in preparation for this weekend, you know, you know, all the way back in probably, I think we had a meeting back in March or April where a few of us sat down and kind of discussed who was going to take what topics and how we're going to divide up the, the, the weekend and stuff like that. And Miss Lindsay and Miss um, Caitlin, they come in and they have like 16 binders, uh, 40 pages double typed with all of their notes. And then David and Brian and I, and I don't, Jonathan's probably a little bit better than, Jonathan didn't even show up. <laughs> but we come in with like a post-it note. Yeah, I know. We, we, we come in with like a post-it note. Um, I come in with, as, as I'm walking in, I'm writing down verses so that I look like I have some prepared. So women are very typically detail-oriented, and they're very prepared. So right now in the women's class, they're getting like 10 times the dose of what we're getting because they're that, that good. So I'm sorry. You're st- so if you want to go to the women's class, you, you, you can just go and <laughs> excuse yourself. <laughs> so, um, but um, we as men, in terms of losing weight, we can lose weight very quickly, but we put it back on very quickly. Whereas women, they're, they're like envious of us sometimes because of that fact. Like, you guys can lose weight so quickly, whatever. But sometimes it's the way that we work out. Sometimes it's the way that we eat. Um, think about the way you do a uh, academic regimen, the way you study for an exam or prepare for some sort of job interview or if you're doing a task at work or whatever the case may be, that also kind of plays a role in that as well. Um, Anything else on core regimen that you think we've left out? So we've, we've used a lot of adjectives thus far, and rightly so, but anything else we've left out that you think is important to understand what we mean by core regimen? So when you think about core regimen spiritually as Christians, what does that entail? That's what we're going to talk about for the next 30 minutes or so. Um, before we do so, what do you think that we might talk about? And we'll see if we talk about it. Foundational stuff for living as a Christian. Absolutely. Um, what's the foundation of learning for like a three-year-old? And this is, this is called a game called Guess What Leland's Thinking. It's a lot of fun. Um, but what, are, what does a three-year-old or, yeah, three-year-old, four, or four, definitely a four-year-old have to know before they advance in learning? There's a couple of different things, but what are they? Talking, good, yes. What knowledge do they have to have? Especially from an academic point of view, if you're going to read and write. 
you got to know your ABC. So Keith, guess what I was thinking? Extra bonus points to Keith this morning. So when it comes to a Christian's way of life, the idea is it's all about ABC. So if you understand your ABCs, it's the foundation of everything else in learning. I mean, think about it. If you don't know the alphabet, it's going to cripple you in, in doing almost everything. Um, I mean, it's really, it's just that foundational, which is the word that, that we've used a couple of different times. So we're talking about ABCs. So I'm going to talk about three things today. One of them starts with A, one of them starts with B, and the other one starts with C. Yeah, X, right? All right. So we're going to talk about A, B, and C. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, where we ended just a couple of moments ago in Ephesians chapter 6. And we are actually going to read a little bit further in the text. I think, Jonathan, are you doing some Ephesians 6 as well? Okay, so you're going to get Ephesians 6 in almost every segment today. And that's not a bad thing um, because it's good stuff, and we're all looking at it from some different angles. So I'm arguing that fundamental to who we are as Christians is the armor that we wear, both, as Brian talked about, for defensiveness and for offensiveness. And so I want to read verses, actually, let's read 10 through 20 here real quickly. And obviously we're focusing in on about three to four of those verses. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. By the way, what does the word wiles mean? Or maybe you have a different word. Because I don't use the word wiles very often. Trickery. Tactics. Sometimes I don't know who's talking because y'all have masks on. So it's like, <laughs> so, it's like so if I say, good job, Brian. And I'm, <laughs> we talked about you while you were away. Um, yeah, trickery, uh, tactics, tricks. Um, my Bible has a little note, uh, schemings. The idea of schemings of the devil, all right? Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but instead we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. What could you say about that first phrase of verse 13? Because a couple observations, but there's one big thing that, again, guess what I'm thinking about the first phrase in verse 13? Perfect. Yeah. And you can't pick and choose your armor. You've got to have the whole armor of God. All right? So that you can withstand in the evil day. And then Brian did an excellent job of pointing out, having to done all to stand, stand therefore. All right, having girded your waist with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Typically, we stop there when we're talking about the armor of God section, um, but go ahead and read three more verses, verses 18, 19, 20, because number one, it's a continuation of a sentence, at least in English, and it's also a continuation of a very powerful thought that if we leave it out, we miss something. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may 
Open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, what does ambassador mean? What does it mean to be an ambassador? Representative. A representative. Good. So the United States has countless ambassadors to foreign entities, to foreign nations. What else about an ambassador? Representative. What makes, um, what's the best way to ask this question? What makes you different as a representative when you're an ambassador? You have some authority, right? So um, you have authority to represent and speak for whoever you are an ambassador for. So you are subject to someone, but you also have authority. So when Paul says in verse 20 of chapter 6, he says, I am an ambassador uh, in chains. I want to speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he's talking about prayer in those last three verses. He's talking about representing Christ in chains. And at the center of that, at the core of that, to borrow from what we've been talking about this morning, it's all about the armor of God at the core. Um, so a couple of things that we pointed out. So we read those verses here. One of the things that I think is interesting to think about is he says, put on the whole armor of God. So again, we cannot just pick and choose what we're going to put on and allow that to suffice. That would be a silly looking soldier. That would be a, uh, odd looking character. So, uh, there are certain, um, I know certain video games that are out there where you pick up armor that is left by other people. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I think they're, I, I know my kids have played those games before and you had to pick up armor. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to relate to the cool kids right now and I'm not very relatable. Brian relates to the cool kids real well, I don't. But, um, but yeah, you pick up the armor and put it on and you store up that armor for other purposes. So let's talk about some of the aspects of that armor here. Uh, and then we're going to use your other pieces of paper here in a little bit um, when we get to that. Um, truth. What is truth? Someone asked that, right? Remember Pilate asking that question when he said, what is truth? So there in what we're looking at here, uh, verse 14, having girded your waist with truth. Does anybody have a different version or a different translation there? Girded your waist with truth. Everyone's got that? What does it mean to gird your waist? Let's start there. Put it on. Very good. So you have to, one, put it on, which means take the effort to notice that it's missing. I mean, again, the silliness is we get dressed in the morning and we know that we do that because that's what's proper. That's what's appropriate. Um, if you, so we have to, we, we just think about it without really thinking about it. We just get dressed. None of us really think, I better get dressed today because it's a thing to do. We just do it, right? Um, and the second thing is I like the idea of what Jonathan pointed out of a long flowing garment. You gird up by gathering together so that you can run faster. 
so that you can move more quickly, so that you can move in a more able fashion. So very, very good. Why is truth so important to be at the center of the center, so to speak? Yes, Keith, you look very thoughtful. That's a really good observation, really good observation. If he, he said, if you know truth, you know the opposite of truth. And why do we have Bible classes? Why do we have studies like this? Why do we come to services uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays? Because we want to know the truth so that we can defend it so that we don't get caught up in doing something that is not the truth. That's a really good way. But anything else about truth? That's a, re- that's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, if you have the others, if you have righteousness and all those other things that we're talking about here, it doesn't make any sense. Perfect. Very, very good. All right, let's go on to uh, verse 14, where he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, I mean, it's a silly question, but let's, let's talk about what is a breastplate for? Protect your chest. Why is that important? Yeah, so the, the core of your body, this section here, has the, besides one's brain, arguably the most important parts of your body. So if that gets injured in some way, you have a serious problem on your hands or a serious problem on your heart. Huh. Um, I just made that up. Did you like that, Michael? No, you didn't like it. Let me know when you do like it. <laughs> but you have a serious problem. If the breast is not um, protected, and you protect it with righteousness, all right? Uh, Let's talk about preparation. Verse uh, 15, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Anybody have something different? Everyone's got something similar? What does it mean to shod? Yeah, it's very similar to the word shoe both in English and in what we're talking about here. So we put on your shoes. Um, You wear shoes for what purpose? Support? Traction? Absolutely. You think about um, walking on a very slippery surface. As you get older, it gets more dangerous. Um, Endurance, yes, absolutely, because you're... Absolutely, absolutely. So there's the story of, remember the story of Pele? Or you heard about Pele, uh, the famous soccer, football player, soccer player, depending on where you are in the, in the world, right? And he played barefoot for all of his life up until the point where he didn't. And someone introduced shoes to him and he was like, I don't want to wear shoes to, to play soccer, to play football. And then once he started wearing them, He's like, wow, this is amazing what I'm able to do. I can kick further. I can dribble better. I can do all the things that, as a football player, I need to be doing, as a soccer player, I need to be doing. So because of shoes being present, something as simple as that, okay? Um, faith, there in verse 16, what is a shield? How is a shield different than a breastplate? And again, I apologize if I'm stepping on David's, Teaching later, okay, good, or Jonathan. Okay. What? 
it is mobile, yeah. And that allows you to be more versatile in defending. And again, I really, really like that point that Brian made about we are offensive in our weaponry, but we're also defensive. And uh, one of the passages that I thought about was where Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he says, I am set for the defense of the gospel. So it's like he's saying, I'm going to defend it. You're not going to move me. You're not going to be able to stop me from defending the truth. Okay? Anything else on, on faith or the breastplate? I'm sorry, the shield of faith. Absolutely, right. So it, it's, it's mobile, like uh, Caleb talked about, and it's able to protect a lot of area, a lot of different um, zones. And then the last thing we'll talk about is where he talks about the helmet of salvation. And then we'll talk about the sword here in just a minute. What's the helmet of salvation about? So we know what the helmet's for. It's protecting the brain. Caleb kind of talked about it just a minute or so ago when he said, I think it was Caleb, yeah, that talked about that if you don't have, was that you that talked about if you don't have truth, everything else falls apart? Okay. That if you don't have truth at the center of who you are, the rest of this doesn't matter. And so salvation is what we are all fighting for. That's what we are all in this struggle about. Uh, and we, we acknowledged it is sometimes a struggle to be a Christian, to be a faithful soldier. And then the last thing here is the sword or the word. Arguably, that's the biggest and most famous offensive weapon. How are we supposed to use this as a sword, though? And you can feel free to use passages or just thoughts. How does this serve as a sword? Perfect. Yeah, um, when it, I, I like that, Acts 2, cut to the heart. What were they cut by? The word, by the word being preached in that sermon on the day of Pentecost. Anything else about the sword, how it works, why it's effective? That's, that's a really good observation. So we, we think about it, you know, stabbing someone, but also when someone's trying to stab you, you, you may have in one hand your shield, but on the other hand, you have the sword. Sword can be used to block off. So you think about some of those famous sword fights that you see on TV shows or whatever, or the you know, Princess Bride, right? I think, you know. Have you guys ever watched Princess Bride? Okay, I wasn't sure if we, we were shooting over 18-year-old here. Okay, good, all right. So you haven't seen the Princess Bride? All right, okay, it's all right. Um... Did you notice what is missing? And missing is my word because I'm not suggesting that the Holy Spirit missed something. Um, but there's something, there's a part of the body, again, this, 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 I like this game. Guess what I'm thinking? There's a section of the body that is missing armor. What is it? Um, uh, well, see, you're, you're losing the game. 
Uh, okay, there's a... <laughs> okay, this is a miserable game that we're playing today. Okay, so the front of the body is completely covered, but one's back is not covered. At least it doesn't seem like that to me. What's the point that I'm getting at? Okay, we're facing forward when we fight. You don't back up to someone when you're fighting, right? But what else is true when you're in a fight? Going back to the 300, um, what'd you say? With what? Uh, Kind of, kind of, yeah. You're on a roll, we're on a roll. There's nothing to protect one's backside because there's no such thing as a retreat. So when we fight, we stand for, we're set for the defense of the gospel, Paul says. So what happens when we retreat and we say, I'm going to give up on my fight? Well, that's when, well, the the four Ds kick in. Uh, Distraction, discouragement, doubt, and destruction, right? Yeah. From the 40s. Did you make that up by yourself? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he ought to be. <laughs> uh, that was great. I like that. I like when, when, when there's alliteration and consonants, stuff like that. Um, absolutely. So when you think about our core regimen, which we defined based on our pieces of paper as being the base, center, central, essential part, regimen being a routine means of support. Um, someone, by the way, also put down as regiment put soldier, so by, which I thought was really kind of neat as well, the idea of regiment being sort what, what other word comes from regimen? Regiment, right? Or regimented as an adjective. Let's look at the others, by the way, in case there's something that we need to find here. Core is the center structure base of what you do. Regiment is the exercise or training program, which is exactly what we said. I wonder who did the one that's folded up. Uh, let's see, that's regiment. Let's do core first. Core is root, basic, or primary. Absolutely. Regiment is regular practice, habit, or that which is established. That's good. All these are good. Center of thought, center of body, most important thing, simple. The regiment is exercise, workout, uh, a task of things to do. Is there something I should be worried about? Core. <laughs> I don't know who wrote this. But this person said, core is my rock hard abs. It must have been Michael. He left. And the foundation of who you are. Regimen, regimen is a routine. Very good. Thank you, Michael. Okay, so we start with the ABCs. It's the core of who we are as Christians. It's all about the armor. If the armor is not on, nothing else is going to matter. Now, David said it's about, about the B, which leads us to the B, and that is it's all about the book. So it's all about our armor, but it's also all about the book, which is why we're here today, because we, we love the book. By the way, the term Bible is just a fancy word for book, Right? But it's, it's more than just a book. It is the sword. It's powerful. It's truth. It's all these kind of things. Uh, I want to look at three passages. 
um, that you're probably familiar with, but I want us to kind of read them um, as if we've never read them before. Two in Psalms and one in Second Timothy. So let's look at those three passages here. Let's start with Psalm 19. And you may read this psalm, and you may think, that sounds very melodic. Um, that sounds like a song, because they were songs originally. Incidentally, um, I always wonder what these songs would have sounded like in the original 3,000 years ago. That would have been really cool to listen to, especially if you would understand the Hebrew behind it. Um, but Psalm 19, uh, would someone like to read verses 7 through, how about 11? Again, we typically read 7 through 10, but I want to go one more verse for a reason that I'll suggest here. Anyone want to read 7 through 11 for us? Thank you, Keith. Okay, excellent. Thank you. So again, we sing that song, right? We're familiar with that. And it's all different words for the law, statutes, commandments, fear, judgments. Verse 11, I think, is, is it's really unfortunate that we sometimes leave out verse 11. Because verse 11 says, the, the Bible, the word, warns us and it rewards us. It does those two key things. It warns us and it rewards us. How does the Bible warn us? Kind of a silly question, but yeah, perfect. Uh, he, used, he used two different key words there. Judgment, if you don't repent. And that's a warning throughout Genesis through Revelation from beginning to the end. Okay, how does the Bible reward us? Yeah, it tells us about the great things that happen when we do choose to do what God has asked us to do. And he's blessed us immensely in that process. Very, very good. Okay. Um, let's go to Psalm. Let's go to the longest Psalm that there is. Which one is it? Very good. 119. Good job. 119. And let's look at probably the most familiar verse in the entire Psalm 105. Did I put that up there? Psalm 119, 105. Uh, someone want to read that very brief verse, or you can quote it if you know it. Who'd like to read that for us? Very good. And again, there's a song behind it, right? You know, we unto my feet and unto my path. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, what's the purpose of a lamp? To see. Yeah. To illuminate. To show. To provide clarity. 
incidentally, no extra charge for this today. Since you've shown up, I'll throw this in for free. That Psalm 119, uh, which again is the longest psalm with 176 verses, is, what were you going to say? Uh, that may be true. I don't know about that. He was asking the small. But two little bits of trivia is it's a alphabetical psalm, right? It's based on the various letters of the Hebrew alphabet, wherein, what, eight verses are associated with each of the letters. And every verse with the exception of four, so 172 out of 176 verses, reference words, statutes, or judgments or some other word that has something to do with the book. So obviously the writer had the book on his mind when he wrote it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Okay, and let's go ahead and do a New Testament passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And again, we typically read verse 16. Let's pick up in verse 14. And read through 17. Now, this is, of course, a letter that the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, uh, a younger man, uh, maybe a slightly older than, than the majority of those who are here, uh, but still youngish. And he's giving him advice about preaching and living righteously and training others. And he says in verse 14, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from your childhood you have known, here it is, the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So Keith said a moment ago, what's the, what's the reward in the book? The reward is it makes you wise for salvation. All scripture, not just some, but all scripture, even the book of Zechariah, right, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished or thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's talk about verse 16 for just a minute because we, we quote that verse a lot. Um, oftentimes in the context of saying why Bible study is so important or why it is that we have to take the entire word at its entirety. Um, let's talk about verse 16 for just a second here. Profitable for doctrine. Anybody have a different word than Doctrine. Teaching, teaching and learning, right? Okay, so we are to be taught, we are to learn, and then we are to teach others. What about reproof? We might have a different word for reproof. Some versions probably use the word convince. What is reproof? Just split it in two, right? Proof, and you're reproving. So we are convincing ourselves. So I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to read it again and make sure I got it correct. I don't want to get it wrong. Remember the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, search, make sure those things were true. That's what they were doing. They were reproofing themselves. For correction, you might have a different word than correction. The third word there. 
What is correction? Changing course. Absolutely. Good. So if a pilot is, so Ken Duncan just talked about this um, two weeks ago or one week ago in the Wednesday night invitation talk when he was talking about being in an airplane, flying it, and he was off course, didn't know where he was. And he had to kind of take a pause, relax, not panic, and then correct course. Good. And then instruction. Anybody have anything different than instruction? Training or discipline, right? We oftentimes think about discipline as being a bad thing. Yeah, um, discipline is when my, my parents, especially when you were younger, told me I can't do that, I, I, I must do this. When your boss tells you this, when your instructor tells you this, whatever, and they get after you or whatever the case may be, that's discipline. What else is discipline, though, at, at its very core? <laughs> Self-control. We are disciplining right now. Now, if we were to advertise, Northfield Boulevard is going to discipline you. Come this Saturday morning at 9.30. But we are disciplining. I'm disciplining myself. And you're disciplining me by giving me feedback and telling me things. So it's not just you've got it wrong. It's that you got it right. That's the discipline. In fact, there's a similar word in the Bible called disciple, right? What's a disciple? Someone who is learning the doctrine and being disciplined by a master. Okay, very good. Um, okay, you should have three pieces of paper. I want you to take two, two or three. I want you to take one of those, and I want you to answer this question. And again, it can be uh, bullet points. It can be just a phrase. It can be a sentence. Um, but what tools for Bible study work for you? I want you to get very practical. No one's going to know your answer. Uh, even if you fold your paper, I will not let people know that you folded your paper so that your answer remains private. But what works for you in studying the Bible? Um, certain time of day, certain style. Do you listen to certain podcasts? Do you um, read a particular book um, of the Bible on a routine basis? I'm just trying to throw out different ideas, but... I see you're already writing, which is good. So I'll give you 30 seconds. All right, about 15 seconds. Throw yours in. Do you want to throw yours in? All right, go ahead and uh, water it up. We'll add it to the the bowl. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Go ahead, Caleb. I got you. Okay, so we are, we are arguing that Bible study is important. It's all those beautiful things in chapter 19. It's the lamp in 119, and it's the source, it's the sword, which we talked about at the A, and it is 
all scripture. So it's very important for us. Okay, so this person says college studies, small group studies. So some people learn better in small groups. Some people learn better in big groups. That's, that's fair. Uh, in the evening is the best time for this person and studying with friends. And by the way, why am I doing this exercise? And, and don't say because you didn't have anything else planned. <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the point behind this? There's a couple points. Learn from others. Yeah, good. I, before you got here, Mr. Brian, uh, I had talked about how uh, your wife and Miss Lindsay had like 16 binders prepared, double space, 20 pages worth of plans. And uh, yeah, Jonathan didn't even show up for the meetings. <laughs> Kidding. He was adopting a kid. All right, fine. Just giving you a hard time. We came up with post-it notes, right? Yeah. Depends on what I'm going through. I use a card that gives passages in prayer. Really interesting. I use a card that gives passages in prayer. So this person sees study and prayer going together, which I'm not saying that the rest of us don't, but that's just kind of neat how that person presented that. Listening to sermons, group Bible study, having multiple people, and having no outside distractions. Good. I'm impressed with these answers because my fear was thinking, I hope, I hope they get something, <laughs> but we're getting plenty. Uh, Bible study helps. Commentaries, e-Bible, peace and quiet. Good. E-Bibles are really cool, yeah. Uh, before bed, two chapters a night so I don't drift away from what I'm reading. Good. So, so that you set realistic expectations. Don't, you know, don't say, all right, so tomorrow I'm going to study the book of Ezekiel. You know, well, you might get through th- two chapters and then... <laughs> You might say, I need to take a break, you know, because it's some tough stuff. What tools for Bible study works for you? Uh, The energy of the person studying. Okay, good. Mid-afternoon, since I'm usually tired. And what book is being discussed? Very good. Very practical. And I appreciate everybody got very practical. Every one of you got really practical with this. Uh, A reading Bible for reading. Uh, uh, in parentheses, paragraph form, no verses. Wheel within a wheel. And the person says, ask. It's complicated. <laughs> that is complicated. So this person would have to identify himself. Uh, okay, so wheel within a wheel. Seriously, what is that? That's cool. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. So if you want to know more about that, Kaylee was our resident wheel in the wheel. Had you ever heard of that, David? No. I was afraid that, I, like, in preacher school, I missed that. 
<laughs> That's really cool. I like that. Good. Uh, Olive Tree app for original long definitions. Listen to it. Biblehub.net for searching. Yep. Read, read, read. Yep. Sometimes it's just a matter of plowing through and reading it, right? And write in references. Yeah. Um, so I think all of us, as you, as you get older, you collect Bibles in part because they wear out, right? And it was said that a Bible that is worn out and falling apart often belongs to a person who is not worn out and is not falling apart. Can't take credit for that. Sorry. Okay, very good. It's all about the armor, A. It's all about the book. And C, double C, commitment to the example of Christ. Uh, and we are, here I was afraid I was going to run, uh, be sitting here with all this extra time, but we're going to be ending pretty well. We're supposed to end around 35-ish? Is that right? Oh, so I've got four minutes. Okay, that's fine. We can, we can do that. Okay, so what does it mean to be, whoa, okay. Uh, great. You guys are great. And in and, and all seriousness, because um, I haven't been serious very much yet. Um, you are to be commended for being here on a Saturday morning when you could be doing all these other things with your friends and whatever, but you're here, and that's cool. We appreciate that. Okay, so what does it mean to be the example of Christ? Let's just throw that out without doing the writing. You can, I mean, you can write it down yourself, but I'm not going to collect them. What's it mean to be Christ's example? It can be a thousand things. At least one. Service, okay? Service, because he was a servant, right? Lord, make me a servant, make me like you, for you are a servant, make me one too, that song, right? Servant. Okay, what else besides service? When someone says, be the example of Christ, serve like him? Imitate, I like that word. Remember, Paul says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ? Yeah. So I came up, go ahead. Light and darkness kind of guy, right? Yeah, a clear distinction between what was good and what was not. So I came up with three things, and we're going to kind of fly through these things. One is have the mind of Christ. I really like Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5. I'm probably going to use verse 3 um, and verses, verses 2 and 3 in a sermon that I'm going to do a week from tomorrow, probably. I'm still working on it. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 3, incidentally, is almost in every email that the elders are sending out right now when it deals with issues of uh, practicing social distancing, being respectful of one another. Some people really like the mask. Some people don't like the mask, all that kind of stuff. Verse 3 says, "Let you think about yourself before you think about others, right? No, it's the opposite of that, right? Yeah, it says think about others before you think about yourself. Let each of you esteem or build up someone else before you take care of yourself is what it's talking about, okay? Um, have the prayer life of Christ. Um, absolutely. And I, I put up there Luke 18. When they, the early followers of Jesus um, came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Show us how to pray. And of course, he gives them that uh, model prayer that, um, I mentioned, um, oh no, that I mentioned tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow, <laughs> I couldn't remember, I knew I'd recently preached about John 17, but it's tomorrow afternoon uh, at 2.30 on the website. Uh, have the prayer life of Christ. What does it mean to have the prayer life of Christ? What does that practically mean for you? 
How did he pray? Often? Fervently? Say again? Extensive. Yeah, it was more than just, thank you for my food, thank you for this day. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's wrong to pray and say, thank you for this day and thank you for the food. Don't, get, don't misunderstand me. But if that's the extent of your prayer life over the course of a three-week period, that's not a very extensive prayer life. Yeah, Josh? Good. TSO. Thankful. Self. Others. I like that. Good. And the last thing is have the example of Christ, which goes in, in part with what Brian was talking about, the idea of being a servant like Jesus. And uh, we read Romans 12, verses, verse 13, or verse 15, uh, earlier today. And if you go through and read those 10 verses... It's basically a list of behavioral attributes that a Christian should have. All right. So last but not least, in our final 90 seconds here, is where do we go from here? Some thought questions. Uh, What part of the Christian's armor do you find the most important for you during times of struggle? Throw one out. And I know they're they're all important. I I get that because we pointed that out. But on the whole armor of God. But is there a particular part that just really impacts you? If we had more time, I'd have you write it down. Shield of faith. Shield of faith. Why so? I feel like uh, that's the one, faith. Your faith can kind of tie other things together. Absolutely. I like that. Bridging the gap, right? Good. Um, what does it mean to you to be the example of Christ? We talked about that a little bit already. Um, I want us to... And, and um, Brian talked about this in his introduction. These breakout sessions are designed to be a little more pragmatic, resolve to do uh, three things. One, be prepared at all times to engage Satan in battle. You can't do so without the ABCs. You've got to have your core regimen. Two, be truly dedicated to Bible study more in the future. So someone put just read, read, read. Sometimes you just got to plow through and read. Uh, whether that be the wheel on the wheel, whether that be a particular podcast you'd like, whether that be you like um, um, Bible Hub, whatever translations you like to use, okay? And then be fully devoted to thinking and acting like Jesus in the way that he served, in the way that he prayed, all that kind of good stuff. Final thoughts as we wrap it up. Thank you very much for participating because it makes it more interesting. And we...